You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Are you a diehard comic book collector? Or maybe a lapsed fan? Maybe even someone who has never picked up a comic book in their life. Hi, I'm Remso Martinez. And I'm Mark Clare. Every single Wednesday at the Second Print Comics Podcast, Remzo and I take a deep dive into the storylines, character arcs, moments, and events that made us the fans we are today. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are available. Check out more from the Second Print Comics Podcast at secondprintcomics.com. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. Well, hello, Sophie. Hey, Remzo, how are you doing? I am doing well. It has been a minute since the last time we spoke. For starters, I think this is funny because this is a true networking story, how networking turns into friendship. You and I were both interning in D.C. in 2015, and uh, people don't know this, but half the time that, well, more than half the time that interns go to like think tank events to listen to seminars about like uh indian trade policy it's not because they actually think that that's just the most fun thing around it's because we're all broke and there's free food so i went to an afternoon yeah that that too i i convinced my boss in the middle of the day let me go like a two-hour lecture on what president modi was doing in india because i cared that much but it was really because the heritage foundation puts out an awesome spread like after every Every seminar. So I'm sitting there, and next thing you know, it, it fills of a bunch of people our age, and you sit next to me. And the first thing you did, do you remember what you did? You complimented my tie, which nobody did. It was the ugliest orange tie. And I was like, thank you. Somebody's actually being nice today. And that's how it blossomed for, for six plus years. It has been like that since. So I gotta I gotta say, um, you know, the 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 terrible thing about Instagram, I'm sorry, about about social media as a whole is it makes you think you're catching up with people even though you're not always often saying hey how you doing i feel bad for not having caught up more often the last couple of years but you have been on an amazing journey dare i say journey um when you left you know i remember how you were five years ago i bet i was a little bit more handsome but you know you were a petite beautiful woman you're still a beautiful woman but like what you've done in five years of your bodybuilding journey, especially coming from a stroke, which we'll which we'll talk about in a second, mm-hmm. that is like balls to the walls, fast and furious stuff. So let let's start from <laughs> let's start from the beginning. Most okay. people most people get a stroke, and they they let things kind of just escalate downward. Yeah, something happens to you, and you end up becoming She Hulk. So let's start with that. What what happens with the stroke? Because you were only like 22, 23 when that happened. I was 24, yes. Holy shit. So, um, well, I'll just kind of go into how it happened. So it was the birth control that I was on caused a blood clot that went from my leg. It traveled through my heart into my brain. Um, and at that particular time, I was prepping for a bikini competition. So I was working out a few hours a day. I had just gotten home from the gym from doing about 45 minutes of cardio. I was eating, and the next thing I knew, I 
I felt like I was drunk, um, and then I was paralyzed. So, what what does that feel like? Because I felt like for the people that listen to this show, the degenerates here, I can assume that everyone's had a night where they've just had a complete bender. But but to lose oh, yeah. complete complete function of your body, I can only imagine how terrifying that is. It wasn't so much terrifying at that moment. I um. It was almost humorous. I don't know how else to describe it. it That's I just, not what I, didn't I would know. imagine describing it as. <laughs> well, I didn't know what was going on, um, and I didn't. I didn't register at the time because when you're having a stroke, when you're in the middle of having one, you, you can't critically think. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I'm like, something was in my food, or I, I didn't know what to expect. I had no idea. So I thought it was funny. And then once I had fallen down a couple of times after my then boyfriend um, kind of propped me back up on the couch, I was like, oh, this is serious. And then I started to get nervous. And then I don't really remember. Um, there, there was a certain amount of time that I kind of blacked out. I don't remember from when I initially had the stroke um, to when the paramedics arrived. So I think it was like a 20 minute time frame that I just can't remember. That, that is crazy. What, what were your thoughts when you woke up? at the hospital. Like what goes <laughs> well, through your mind when that happened? Because I've blacked out a couple of times. Like it, my, my first couple of years in the army, I was a heat casualty. I thought if you drank like three Camelbacks oh a day, that would be smart. But what I didn't realize was it flushed out all my electrolytes. So You're I soft. had to get something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it was, I bl- blacking out just feels like you're, you're on pause for a minute. At least from what I yeah. remember, and I blacked out <laughs> twice. I blacked out when when I had a minor heat stroke to win. I um, I got a concussion a few years later, but it's just like mm-hmm. lights out. And then you wake up and you're in a completely different place. And your first thought is like, "What the fuck just happened?" Yeah, that's exactly it. Well, I woke up in this in my bedrooms uh, in the I'm sorry the living room still, and I woke up to a couple of the paramedics trying to revive me um, and get me alert, get me awake. And I just remember the first thing out of my mouth was how much I could bench. <laughs> and I don't know why I said it. I was like, I can rep two plates. So which is two, two forty-five plates on the bar. And the paramedic looked at me and he's like, good for you. <laughs> and I remember that. I was just, I remember looking back on that because that certain paramedic came back to me in the hospital after um, they had given me the treatment later on a few days later. And he's like, I just want to make sure you're okay because you were an interesting person. So I will never forget that. <laughs> <laughs> that that is that is wild. So, I mean, at yeah. this point, like you were you were always athletic, but you know, I, I feel like there was a point around that time where your focus on your fitness completely changed. Uh, was it before or after that? Um, my focus on my fitness kind of started before, but the the weightlifting and bodybuilding happened after the stroke. Um, prior to that, I was just trying to get skinny for a bikini competition, which is just really the, the ladies that don't have a lot of muscle on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that like uh, something just switched in my brain after I had the stroke um, where I wanted to look and physically feel as strong as I did mentally going through the stroke. Um, I wanted that to kind of match um, physically what I felt mentally. What what was what was recovering from that like like when was it how long did it take from when you got discharged from the hospital until you finally felt I'm back to where I was before this or did it stop feeling normal? 
No. Um, I feel that because I'm such a stubborn person who has to be constantly going, I didn't take the amount of time to properly recover that I should have physically and mentally. Um, physically, I was up and walking, um, I'd say about three to four days after the, the stroke. Um, I was in the hospital right here near near me over here um, in Oceanside. And then they transferred me to a specialty further inland over here. Um, and so I was up and walking a few days afterwards. Um, mentally, this was in the middle of my master's program, my master's degree. Oh. So I still had stuff that was due. The day the day after my stroke, I was supposed to give a really big presentation on um, this business proposal that I'd put together. Obviously, I couldn't do that, but I still had to do stuff um, that was due. So while I was in the hospital, I was still reading and I was still typing and putting stuff together. Which I would have milked was- that for weeks. <laughs> I would have talked. You know, I, really I, I, have, I have been like just just with like a slight flu, and I have milked that for weeks to get extensions in, <laughs> in undergrad of all things. I just wanted to be done with my master's, and at that point, I was not going to let being in the hospital stop me. Um, I was I was over it. <laughs> so well, I, was, I think that really helped. Um, it also helped the two weeks that I was in the hospital. It helped them go by a lot faster than if I didn't have anything to busy myself with. Um. But in terms of a physical recovery afterwards, I couldn't traverse stairs or anything until about a week after I got out of the hospital. Um, I remember I had to go back for physical therapy. I call them physical terrorists because they're never any fun to go to. <laughs> <laughs> but well, when I went and met my um, physical therapist, he was a really nice guy. Um, he helped me walk up and down the stairs and I just felt great. I was really proud of myself. Um, I was really happy with how I was recovering. And so... I think that kind of kick-started the whole um, need to get yourself back to physically where you were before, and if not where you were before, better. Um, I still have a couple of physical issues, like my dexterity in my hands. It's hard for me to do um, minute things with my fingers, if that makes sense. Um, I don't have grip strength. Um, and I can't really think of anything else physically that affects that I'm affected by still, aside from those two. I've never had good balance, but I'm not a skateboarder or a surfer, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, blame, I'm just blame, blame, just, just <laughs> find something else to blame it on. It's like, no, I wasn't naturally yeah, exactly. like this. It's just, it's just that one thing. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the physical the, the physical side of it is always, you know, one of those things I'm really interested in. I think the one thing that a lot of people don't talk about is the, uh, is, is the mental component that comes with it. Uh, I've, I've only touched on it slightly on, on the program before, but as, as I told people, I got a pretty severe concussion in 2016. As I was recovering mm-hmm. from that, I was in a car accident, which just compounded yeah. the concussion. And it also caused a hemorrhage nerve in my neck. And which I wouldn't know about for two years. So eventually I got a radio frequency ablation, which is an outpatient surgery type of thing. But what mm-hmm. it did was it messed up the, the muscles in my neck. So for three years I couldn't turn to the right fully. So I'm still, oh, wow. I'm still dealing with that. And it was one of those yeah. things where it's like, you know, the car accident, like the car wasn't mangled or anything. It was a car. We were stopped at a stoplight and a car going 60 just went into the back of our truck. Their, their vehicle was worse off than ours were, but it was mm-hmm. one of those things where it's like, you know, you tell people you're in pain and it's like, if, if it's been like, you know, a few months or even a few years and you tell them you're still in pain, if it's not like you're in a wheelchair or you lost a leg or something, they just think, oh, you're using it as an excuse. Oh, it's not yeah, physical. How could you feel like that? 
And, and I mean, it begins to drain on you because it, it adversely affected my life with that. And it, it led to a pretty yeah. severe depression. What, what was it like dealing with that? Because what happened to you could have potentially killed you. That is something mm-hmm. that actually happens to some women on different types of birth control. It's, it's rare, but it happens. It still happens. Yeah. Um, touching on the depression part, you know, I, this is honestly the first time I've ever really spoken about this. Um, aside from with close friends and family and kind of private conversations. Um, but after the stroke, you know, and especially with you too, we're kind of um, similar in this characteristic where we're very independent people. We're very um, goal oriented where we we're smart. We like to be um, outgoing. We, we like so, looking like everything's under control. And it's not. <laughs> no, it, 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 yeah, it exactly. is like spinning plates on pencils. But if you ask me how I'm doing, it's always fine. I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm exactly. Doing just good. <laughs> and so after the stroke, um, I really I had a really severe depression for a couple of months afterwards. Um, and it, yes, it was touched upon the physical aspect of me recovering and all of that. I'm um, having to relearn how to walk, go to the bathroom, stuff like that. Um but more of it was mentally, I just felt like I wasn't smart. I just wasn't there. I wasn't, I didn't deserve to be in my master's program at that time. Um, if if my body and my brain's going to fail me with this thing, then is it going to fail me in the future? Um, am I still able to go and do all the things that I enjoyed before now without that um, kind of that fear in the back of my mind? Where is this going to happen again? Am I going to be by myself while this happens again? Because if my boyfriend hadn't been there at that time, I wouldn't be here today. If the um, ambulance didn't arrive within the few minutes that I did because I lived so close to the hospital, I still I wouldn't be alive. And so, I mean, that was definitely a factor within um, my depression and my mental recovery. Um, and I really attribute it to the people that I surround myself with, my friends, um, helping me go through that. I went on a a little mini vacation to Puerto Rico. I'm half Puerto Rican, so I have okay. family over there. <laughs> I feel like the only um, Puerto Rican who's never been to the island. <laughs> well, you should go. It's still relatively cheap. They're still recovering from the hurricane. Um, but I, I went for I a week. That while I can. To, you know what? Through Costco, it was actually a pretty good deal. So it's actually probably cheaper because you're on the East Coast. Oh, probably um, from but, Dulles, from like Dulles to Miami Dade, it's like less than three hundred dollars right now. Wow, Why haven't I taken really advantage cheap. of it? Holy shit! I don't know. Moving it's, on, you get to Sacramento, it's like six, so that's a good deal. What yeah, hell? it's ridiculous over here. The it's because I'm flying out of San Diego. Still, <laughs> I don't know. God. <laughs> but um, so I, I I did that mini vacation because I need to get away from my family. Um. It was the family's response to it was just everybody flew in. Everybody needed to be there around my hospital bed. Everybody needed to be in my parents' house while I was recovering. And I'm the type of person where if I'm sick, leave me alone. I need my personal space to recover, especially going through something so severe. Um, so I don't, I I don't like people seeing me when I'm I'm like sick or something. No, not at all. At I all. Let, I let especially nobody. Yeah, I let nobody visit me when I had my surgery at all. I was like, yeah. I'm not having it. And I mean, because then you feel like you have to take care of them. And at this time, all you want to do is recover and just be left alone. And so that's kind of how I was. Um, and so I really attribute that vacation that I went by myself um, for a week 
really helping me get over that depression. Um, I was able to do whatever the hell I wanted, eat whatever I wanted, and just kind of relax um, and get myself back in the right mind frame. So that was nice. But I mean, I still have moments of not, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the right word. It's another side effect is word searching where I can't think of the right word. Um, I also suck at math, but I was never a mathematician. <laughs> I've, I've always, um, I've always just said that like, if it's not addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, it's witchcraft. It's not yeah. Or just do it on your phone. I'm not an accountant. <laughs> no. That's why exactly. I have so many Korean friends. If I can't do it on my <laughs> phone, for you. I call them. Yeah. And they love yeah, it. Why do it yourself? Yeah. <laughs> But no, I mean, I, I get, I get where you're coming from with that because it's one of those things. I'm not saying like everyone goes through something as similar to that in their life, but I, I just remember, um, especially after the accident, it was my last semester of undergrad. It was, it was difficult, and it really kind of separated out from the people I thought were my friends from those who actually Absolutely. were my friends, because they're the people that offer to drive you to go pick something up from the grocery store at like the most inconvenient time of the day. They're the people that come by just to check on you. And yeah. you know, even a few years later, as I, as I got the surgery and then, you know, I started recovering for the next year and a half mm-hmm. after that, like they're the people that will still go ahead and they, they can see those parts of you where it's like, he's kind of down today. Maybe I should, you know, grab him by the collar and go take him out to do something fun. Yeah. Because it begins to eat at you. You begin to feel like a burden on people. And I mean, that's why, you know, the the one habit that I've developed and the one thing I try and, you know, tell people who who listen to the show is go in vacation as often as you can. And I know with the world of the lockdowns and everything, it's been difficult, but like you still owe it to yourself to do it because that's not just something you do just because it's fun. It could potentially save yourself from, you know, very terrible challenges and days ahead and that it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a negative impact on your life that you have an obligation to fulfill. Yep. And, you know, something that I, I really took away from the stroke is you need to focus on yourself. People will say it's selfish. I think that certain levels of selfishness are necessary in order for you to be a contributing member of society um, on, a, on a positive level. And so that's definitely something that I've taken away. Um, I need to be here. I need to be present. I need to be someone who brings um, positive attitude. I can positively contribute to conversations um, because I'm constantly investing in myself, um, whether that be through my PhD right now, um, through work, through fitness, or just being a good friend like you like you were speaking of. Um, and I think that that's really something that's maybe kind of lost today. Um, within, I kind of went through the same thing with my friends um, and even family members when I was recovering, kind of like what you did. Um, and my relationship at that time was really tested. And we aren't together anymore for that reason. Um, but it really is those hard times, those challenges that really show um, who's there for you in your life. So, Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to know your thoughts on this. And I think the last year and a half has really shown this is, you know, everything around us is shut down. I'm in Virginia and I, I bitch about the movie theaters being open only four days. A week. <laughs> like you're, you're in, you're in, you're I haven't in, been to the movies in a year. Yeah, you're like in, you're like in Gestapo land with hair gel Hitler. I'm in communist California. <laughs> God. Are, are you in ISIS district? Like, are you at least in a red district at minimum? No, I'm in San, I'm in Northern San Diego. So oh, San Diego, 
well, it's kind of hard to leave. It's so expensive to live here. It's, it's <laughs> even more expensive to move. <laughs> so I'm stuck. <laughs> um, but San Diego has had some of the harshest um, shutdowns along with um, LA County and I believe San Francisco, which, and the barrier, which is understandable because they're the more blue districts in California. Um, the movie theaters haven't been open really since this started. Um, this time last year, um, they've been shutting down the gyms. Um, the gyms actually have been going back and forth. I, I belong to a private gym um, where it's this um, owner who he, he really didn't shut down. <laughs> so that's been great. He's been in the news. He was arrested. That's a whole nother story um, that we could go into that's kind of like what's happening metal. in Belmar. Yeah. So it's really, um, I mean, you see people driving around with their masks on here. People are walking at the beach with their masks on, walking on the sidewalk. I got, I got, yelled, at. I got yelled at recently hiking. I live for not having a mask on. Yeah, I was, I was free. I was on like a civil war battlefield that's in my neighborhood and I'm like in the middle of nowhere. And suddenly some like 60 year old Karen is like, do you have your mask with you? And I'm like, lady, you're like 50 meters away from me. Yeah. And why are you out if you're afraid of other people? I don't understand. And that is what I want to get at. I feel like most people don't have hobbies. Mm -hmm. I genuinely do. A survey went out like in 2019 asking most uh, Americans between 18 to 40, what is your number one hobby? And they said Netflix. How and is Netflix a hobby? I don't know. That's that's nothing. That's like saying breathing is a hobby. It's like exactly. you just sit down and you watch something. That's like. It's mindless. Yeah. It's, it's mindless. And when when they're, you know, when the survey breaks down, they're like, what do you do most of the day? I wake up, I go to work, my only free time, I really kind of just spend on my phone, on social media. And that makes things even worse because then you just start looking at what everyone else is doing and everyone is just kind of worried about what everybody else is doing. And, you know, the, the thing that I, I really hated over the past year was that everyone is home. Everyone is struggling in some way, shape or form. It's in the middle of an election. So I feel like a lot of people took politics as a hobby. And it's yeah. like, you know, for people like us, we used to enjoy it. I don't know about you. I'd rather get, a, I'd rather get a kidney <laughs> stone than talk about it. I would Me too, and I've had several kidney stones. Yeah, like that <laughs> you, you that feeling doesn't go away. So when I say it, I mean it. But it's like I would rather do that. So then what they're doing is they're isolated, they're bored, they don't really know what they want to do for fun because they're focusing on what everyone else is doing for fun. Yeah, and then they take these these poisonous things and that's all they focus on. And it's like what 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 bugs me is, you know, I have another show. It's a comic books podcast. I will mm -hmm. post stuff on social media and I get it from a lot of right wing, you know, what, what I call Trump boomers, uh, love them to death. But like you bug the shit out of me and they're like, the country's going to hell and you're talking about a movie or you're talking about fake shit. What? This is why our country's going to hell. And I'm like, no. It's going to hell because you destroyed the stock market, sent us to two wars that we never got out of. Uh, you, you kept demanding a stimulus check, and you just bitch online all day. And it's like, dude, yep. go start a stamp collection. Go on a walk. Do anything. No, and I, I agree. It's just a lack of busying yourself in constructive hobbies, as a loose word, as a loose term, hobbies. Um, I... You know, being here in Southern California, as 
I don't want to label myself as a conservative. I'm a party of Sophie, which is, um, there you go. All you got to care. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, I don't know. I'm someone who just give me what is rational, reasonable, reasonable on an economically sound platform and I'll go for it, which that's not politics nowadays. And so I feel that people stuck at home, just either just Netflixing all day, being on social media or God forbid, watching the news, which is just as bad as everything else. That's all that they have going into their brains. It's just that negative stimulus constantly. And so I, I, I touching back on mental health, I think that that's gotten a lot of people kind of in a, um, I don't want to say depressed state, um, but it's kind of gotten everybody in, in a more negative emotional standpoint. They're, they're much so more I manic and they're much more reactive to things. Exactly. Like the littlest so think, thing will set people off. And, and that's a huge issue. And I think that that's contributed a lot this past year with this election um, to all the rioting and all of the issues that have been going on. For here, for example, here in San Diego, we had a bunch of, um, I don't know if I could coin them riots, but protesting on the streets where people were blocking the roads for the Black Lives Matter and all of that, especially over across the freeway at the beach. Um, you, think they know, done, you think they would have done that, though, if they could have just gone to work? Or if no. like the theaters or the schools or the know. gyms were open? Because I think a lot, no. of, a lot of that was just people who were bored. Because I see a bunch I of my a lot neighbors. Of it, yeah. yeah, because a bunch of my neighbors went to a bunch of local Black Lives Matter rallies. And I'm like, you people don't even vote. You're doing this because <laughs> everything else is closed down. Like you got mm-hmm. tired of Tiger King in March. And by like July, everything else is shut down. And you're just doing this because you want to see people. I think, I think, I, a, I lot think a lot of, of that. Still, yeah. And wanting to feel connected to other people because they've been self-quarantined or isolated in their homes or in their apartments for however many months that they decided to do that. And I think a lot of it's just, I want to be a part of a movement. I want to feel connected to other people and I don't want to feel so alone, I guess you could say. Yeah. And, and the one thing I will say, and I'm not the pillar of health, but I, I see this. I see this online. I'd like to get more of your thoughts on this. I feel like there were two communities online that began to impact the world in a more positive way. And it was the collectible nerd world online. And then it was the fitness world because either Mm -hmm. people had a lot of money that they wanted to spend on a new hobby and all that stuff suddenly skyrocketed comics, film props, you name it, baseball cards, all that stuff like accumulation hobby shot up in 2020. And then the fitness community, because people that I've never seen before, even with gyms closed, COVID made more people go out and walk in their neighborhood than the Michelle Obama did in eight years. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, and that contributed to a bunch of um, price gouging on fitness equipment, which is ridiculous. Dumbbells. We tried, um, to, we tried to buy a dumbbell, like a 15-pound dumbbell. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll yeah, work out. I, I need my own. Yeah, I made my own little Bowflex lookalike at my old apartment. Um, there's no room for it where I live now. I gave it to my dad, but a Bowflex is going for almost $1,000 here, which is insane when they're like the cheapy Bowflex, which are usually like 200 bucks. Um, which I'm happy that people found fitness or got further into like their, their nerd hobbies, as you called it. That's great. You know, have something constructive and something that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. And fitness... 
you invest so much into it and you get so much out of it. And for example, at my, at my old complex, it was, um, all of our apartments faced a courtyard, which was, it was a large grass courtyard and you could go out and you could do exercises on the grass, which a lot of people were out doing yoga and stuff. And I thought that's great. They really wouldn't be doing that if they were at work or if there was, if things were, if things were still open. And so I feel that that rise in the fitness community, I feel like it's not going to last once everything opens back up, but I hope it does. I hope people are able to take away what kind of the positive, um, consequences i guess you could say um that they got it was was either you get healthier or you become like a functioning alcoholic like a lot of people did or you can become a fit alcoholic which i know a couple of them (laughs) whatever but yeah exactly whatever works for you that's great so 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 i i do have an actual question about you know how how you how you were able to go because i remember like 2015 you know dc sophie you were athletic you were petite and now you have like toned. 70 pounds less. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> you're, you're muscular, you're toned. You've had a complete body transformation. And mm-hmm. I, I know from, from people I know who are precision athletes, it takes a lot to go from somebody that's just cutting and trying to stay lean, such as you were at the time. It's not the same thing that you're going to do when you're trying to bulk and actually develop muscle. It's like you have to complete. Completely different. Yeah, because all the things that you were doing that were right – well, now when you change the goal, they are the wrong things. So what was kind of that transition? Like, you know, I, I know that you mentioned earlier that you just wanted to be somebody that was a little bit formidable and, you know, more self-reliant in terms of your physique, but how, mm-hmm. how did that transfer come about? Um, well, the DC Sophie, for example, was very skinny. I'd always been kind of a lean individual throughout my entire life, just from running um, and playing basketball and doing track when I was younger. And I was also heavily influenced from the fitness industry, which really only advertises to females as how to be um, slim toned and lean. And where if you lift weights, you're going to immediately become a man, become muscular. And I was completely brainwashed. People back then were attacking Lolo Jones. I remember that. And that was just one of those weirdest things. It's like, she's an actual athlete. Professional, yeah. Yeah, and, and they Serena were, Williams too. It's like I they they know what they're doing, and it's just one of those things because it's like as men, I feel like it's a little bit different, but with women, it gets way more complicated because even we notice yeah. it. It's like here's what the athlete looks like, but then here's what the female athletes are, and then when a female athlete like you know Gina Carano, for example, um, you know they they come out, it's like. People try and criticize like the, the, the strangest thing. So then it's like, wait a second, you want them to be athlete. You want to celebrate femininity and everything, but you go out and attack the women that actually have biceps and the women that actually have toned legs and everything else and don't look yeah. like the Under Armour models. Yeah, well, they're just skinny. <laughs> and, uh, you know, which is great. I, you can look however you want. I don't body shame anybody. Um on that note, though, I think that, um, what are they calling it, the, the um, body acceptance movement where obesity is okay, that's a completely different topic that, where yeah, that, that's one you of can those be things. happy with yourself. Yeah. yeah, you can be happy with yourself and be obese, but that doesn't necessarily equate to healthy, um, <laughs> which I think is another, I'm going to say lie that um, the media is kind of pushing on upon people 
it's okay to be overweight if you're happy with yourself. It's okay to be underweight if you're happy with yourself. But is it healthy for you? Is it mentally and physically healthy for you? Probably not. Are you going to be, are you being honest with yourself if you're really happy with yourself at those two extremes? Probably not. For me, and I can say this as somebody that is currently a self-identified fat person, when I was in that accident and everything, my routines and everything went downhill. I don't want to say the number because I'll just go into a panic attack with that. But like e- even I still trying to get in shape now, especially after, you know, almost half a year of physical therapy and everything, I just yeah. started getting back to what I consider in shape. And in shape means I mm-hmm. get to keep the current clothes and I don't have to size up. And that yeah. was something that was hard for me because, you know, joining the military after high school, I was, I was the bigger guy. I had to lose a ton of weight. I had to tone up. I was doing freaking P90X in my dorm. I had a solid like six meal regiment. Like to go from you have to be someone who's capable of being a killer to somebody who gets winded going down the street to get the mail is a giant mind fuck. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and those, those mind fucks are going to be different for everybody. Um, for someone like me who fitness has just become part of my lifestyle, um, but I still compete in competitions, going from the what I consider a healthy body weight right now, where I actually have body fat on my arms, to an extreme level of leanness, leanness where I'm maybe 10% body fat at most, and then going back and forth from this is, is a mindfuck too, but also coming back from the um, injuries, such as something that you went through, something that I went through. I don't think that the average person can do that. I honestly don't think that the average person can you, you do that. You are, and I, and I, genuinely, I genuinely mean this, you are one of the most mentally strong people I've ever met. Because we both got injured around the same time. You're, what happened to you was more so severe than what happened to me. You could have potentially died, but you know, there is a difference between us. And I think everyone goes at their own pace, goes on their own journey, but you did it and you're still going through it and you're succeeding. Like that is, that is the remarkable thing. And that is what a lot of people don't think they're capable of, but you've done it. Thank you for that. First off, that really means a lot. Um, but I don't, I'm trying to think of how to word this. When we met back in DC, I was instantly drawn to you. I, I love how you carry yourself. Um, it was the ugly tie. In, it was the ugly tie. That was it. <laughs> but you're an intelligent person. And I really want to, you know, tell you, I, you're somebody that I highly respect. Um, I'm glad that we've been able to keep in touch for the past, what, six years that it's been. Um, you're somebody that I highly respect and I'm very appreciative of that of you um, and being able to kind of sit down and talk to you and, and reminisce over the past couple of years, what has happened to us. Um, but going back to that mental strength, that's not something that can be taught. That's not something that I really feel can be learned. It's just something of who that person is at their very core. And maybe it's, maybe I'm wrong in something that can't be taught and learned. Maybe it has to do with, um, our childhoods are nurturing nature versus versus nurture, for example. Um, but I feel that if something somebody goes through such a, a life-changing event, such as a car accident or a stroke or whatever it may be, if you really have that will and perseverance to succeed and go on in life, you will find it. You can make that internal switch. And I wish 
people, or I hope that people can find that within themselves without having to undergo those life-changing events. Um, yeah, I don't wish anything of what we've experienced no. on anybody. And I just, I, I wish that more people live their life as though every, that day could be their last. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. And, and I mean, for, for a lot of people I know, like, for example, I, I've got a good childhood friend that lives literally up the road from me. Um, he is, he's an extremely tone and lean individual. He's a professional lacrosse player. Um, you know, he was a D one athlete, uh, went, went to, uh, university of Arizona to play on their lacrosse team, full scholarship, because apparently states outside of Virginia still like lacrosse. I've never understood the fascination, but good for them. And, uh, you know, he, he went, he went crazy when the gym closed down and I was one of those people too. Yeah. Like I, I didn't get it first. I'm like, well, you can just figure stuff out, but when you get into your routines, when you're getting to feel that endorphin rush and everything, and when you're seeing the results on a more regular basis to go from your body being in that constant state of stress to it halts. Like I began to see it. Like my, my brother is an extremely muscular person. He was like me growing up kind of husky. I went through my phase. He went through his phase. I wouldn't want to arm wrestle him right now. He can't. My younger brother, I will admit it, does bench more than me by a lot. I'll say it. I'm proud of him. But the first thing he did, and uh, we, it, I still laugh at it, we created what we called a prison gym in our garage, kind of like what you did with the Bowflex. <laughs> we, got, we got an old mountain bike I had. We rigged it up to turn it into a stationary bike, and then we would literally lift with, with buckets of cat litter. And yeah, that's what it, we did. Whatever works. Yeah. But I, I suddenly, it was one of those moments where it's like, you know what, seeing how it's treating, how it's affecting him and how it's affecting the other person, that's why it annoys the shit out of me that across the country, gyms were not seen as essential businesses. However, liquor stores, and over here in California, weed stores were still open. Okay, Cannabis you shops know what, the liquor open. store, the liquor store was my friend. The liquor store <laughs> is essential, but I would like to expand that to the gym. I think all jobs okay. are essential, but it's like, uh, if we're going to do that, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what kills me is I can still go to Costco along with however many, what is it, 100 people that are still in this, that are allowed in the store. I can go and touch everything at Costco that everybody else is touching, potentially food items, and take them home with me. But you can't go to the gym legally, which, which kills me. Um, and for me... I don't, I don't know what your brother went through when the gyms were closed down, but for me, ever since I had the stroke, I'm a very anxious person. I deal with high anxiety, um, where if I don't go to the gym, it's just going to be not the best day for me. So that's why I went and created that, that prison gym that you coined it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I know people at my gym where they um, turned to bodybuilding and the gym after attempted suicide. Um, and so I'm so lucky to be a member of my gym over here, uh, one of the Metroflex locations where the, the owner recognized that and said, no, I'm staying open. I will be arrested and I will go spend the night in jail in order for you to be able to come here and have kind of that, that mental safe space I, uh, that I guess you can call it um, in order to go and train and lift. And so what I think needs to happen, at least here in California, I don't know how open it is over where you are, is more people need to stand up for their businesses, for their small businesses. I can name five offhand small businesses here that had to close down because they just couldn't make it through over here, just within 10 minutes of me, which, and I love these small businesses, they're really good restaurants and other places. And I just, I don't, 
see how this is something that we can continue doing. Like there was this big stigma that every restaurant, every bar is capable of doing, you know, curbside pickup, especially if you're like in a mall, that's difficult. Like it's expensive. It's more time consuming. Not everyone can do delivery and stuff like that. So the restaurants here, um, like where I live in, in Nova, it's, it was pretty much self-contained, but I actually did a solo road trip around the Commonwealth. Like I, I went to every town in Virginia and like the rest of the state is just screwed. Like it's something out like yeah. fallout, like doomsday hunger games. It's bad. And there were a few yeah. restaurant owners I know in Fredericksburg that were, you know, breaking the capacity limits. And they just said, if people want to come here, we're not going to say no, unless the cops exactly. show up, we're going to keep doing it. But like it's that your was, personal choice. But like that's the that's the one thing where it's like you know with with Costco and Walmart and Target and I and I went to BJ's the other day and I was like the only person there and for a year it smelled like Purell. I don't understand why gyms got stuck with the stigma of you're more likely to get there. And even movie theaters. I'm a big movie theater buff because, you know, the movie theaters, they're doing spacing. They're doing limited showings. They only sell so many tickets. They're buffering seats and they're sanitizing like crazy. With gyms, like even in like the most hood parts of America I've lived, the gyms are clean because people want a clean gym. You're constantly wiping down your equipment. You're taking a shower, hopefully washing your hands. And even now, like my biggest worry, I I go to a lifetime fitness. Their biggest problem is that people aren't coming back. So even though they're open and they're doing all the right measures, people have this thing in their mind that the gym is where I'm most likely to catch it. And it's like, that makes no sense that at least in my view, that's not consistent with reality. Not at all. And at least to my knowledge, and I may be wrong, so you can fact check if you want um, or I encourage it. But there hasn't been any contracted cases of COVID at a, at a gym. To this I haven't point. heard of that. No, me either. And I, it's just that fear mongering that is keeping people from doing what they love. Or I know some diehard gym fans like me and all the people that I go to the gym with over here. They're going to be at the gym no matter what. We're going to sneak in the back door if we have to. But a lot of the, the general population isn't like that in their hobbies or whatever they want to go do that. They can't, that's closed down still. Yeah. Like I, I, I have some conspiracy minded friends of mine who were like, they don't want people to go to the gym because then they'll get healthier and build up an immune system. And then we can go back to normal. And that's not what the new world order wants. And I bet some of those people exist, but at the same time, it's like, it, it's one of those things where that's what, you know, I feel like nobody wants to go back to, and, and I know the world's not going to go back to normal. So I'm not saying we no. just pretend all this didn't exist. We have to accept it, but there has to be a better way. And like, for me, you know, I, I caught, I caught COVID in late January. I always thought that when I caught it, I was going to either be one of the people that caught it and didn't even know they had it, or I would quickly rebound. It was COVID pneumonia. So as soon as I got infected, I developed pneumonia And it took about a full month to recover. And now I'm at the point where I'm finally starting to, you know, I'm I'm going, I'm walking more. I started doing some lifting and it makes me feel better. It sucks because now my lungs hurt a little bit, but it was like, that's one of those things we should start developing because I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm a strong advocate in herd immunity. But also I understand this. If you're a smoker and you've been smoking, you're more likely to get it. If you're obese and you don't go out in the sun much, that vitamin D is super important. You're probably going to catch it. If you're not yeah. around enough people, that means that even when you do catch a minor flu strain, it's going it's to be, be worse. worse for you. Yeah. 
And it was like, it, you know, when, when I was on COVID, I was like on a, on a over-the-counter cocktail. I was on the antibiotics for the pneumonia, but I was taking magnesium and I was taking vitamin D. And I looked into it. I'm like, wait a second. Vitamin D is what you get from going outside. Magnesium exactly. just comes from a healthy diet. So if people had yep. just gone out, and I'm not saying they, they become gym rats or anything, but if they had just done a little bit more than maybe what they were doing and they were outside getting exposed to people – I think that's one of the only things that we could rationally do. Now, I say that in public, and I want to kill millions of people. But it's like, what is the option? The kids aren't happy. They get home. Yeah, I mean, the, the kids aren't happy. You know, grandma's not happy. Nobody's happy. Yeah. Well, what's the mindset in California? Because I feel like here, people think that, but nobody wants to say it. It really depends where you go in California, um, in my opinion. Um, here in Southern California or San Diego area, it's, we have little cities. So the beach cities are obviously going to be more liberal because they're the people that can afford to live there. Um, then you have the people that are inland are a little bit different. Um, I'm thinking maybe we have two Republican elected officials in the entire San Diego County. Um, so that kind of gives you a an idea of the general population. That paints here. the picture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I go and I walk on the beach, or I'll ride my bike at the beach. Um, this is in the Oceanside, Carlsbad, Encinitas areas, so they're more affluent areas here. And I'm the only person not wearing a mask, and I'm by myself, 10, 15, 20 feet away from other people, doing my own thing, minding my own business. And I get people commenting, why aren't you wearing a mask? And I think I'm an intimidating person physically, if you don't know me as a female, um, because of my physical structure. And I so think you could be in an arm wrestling contest. I'll just, I'll just flat <laughs> out say that. Okay, there you go. And so usually I'll just look at people like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm the, if they're females, they'll leave me alone. Some guys get a little bit more... Um, Oh, well, now I have to, to buff myself up and be, be masculine okay, now, and now, more now, now, you, now you bring up something, which is hmm. I, think, I think a lot of men – well, I think, I think some men are intimidated by very confident women. I just think that's a thing. But even confident men get intimidated by women that look like they could knock them out. Yeah. So I think what, you know, what it's drawn is it's drawn out you know, the COVID Karens. But it's also bringing out the guys that were always looking for an excuse to want to get into a fight with people. Yeah. And I they call think them because, the, yeah. And they think because you're more muscular, you're more masculine in that way. So therefore, yeah. they can go ahead and confront you. I call the male version of Karen's Gary's. <laughs> so they're the Gary's of the world. <laughs> um, and I mean, so we're kind of, kind of um, on a tangent right now. But yes, um, I'm not a feminist by any means um, at all. I believe that modern day feminism is is basically just man-hating and I appreciate men and their, their role in society as well as females and their role in society. But as a female who is single, I'm 27, I don't have children and I'm in a PhD program and I lift weights and I am just the oddity of society. Um, I have people asking me all the time, well, why don't you focus on having a family? Why don't you focus on having children? Um, why are you putting so much time and effort in what you look like physically? And I just, I, I 
sometimes I'm just at a loss for words at what people feel that they have the privilege to say to me, um, commenting on that. And it's, I get an evenly from both males and females. Um, I don't know where I was going with this. <laughs> this is something I'm very passionate about. But I think that males who feel the need to comment on um, a, a female's physical appearance or um, how educated they are, what they're deciding to focus on in their own lives, it's usually people that it, they just haven't seen it before. Um, wow, I'm surprised that you go to the gym and you can lift 400 pounds. Um, I'm surprised that you're in a PhD program and you're focusing on that instead of trying to date somebody with money or something like that. Um, and I think it's just those those oddities in society that people kind of step back and feel the need to comment on, whether it be positive or negative. Um, <laughs> okay, so now, now, this, now I mean, this, this leads to a great example. And, you know, you, you posted on this recently. I think you were the, you know, and I will, I will preface with this. If you want to get a nose job, if you want to get a tummy tuck, if you want to get, you know, veneers or something, whatever makes you happy, fucking do it. I don't know why. Exactly. Always, I don't know why we've always shamed she, people where it's like, well, she gets Botox in her head. I know men that get Botox. I know men yeah. that have had, you know, gastro bypass and stuff. You're the first woman I know that openly said, I got a boob job and I like it. And it was yep. one of those moments where and it's like, you know what? It makes me happy. And if you're going to criticize me, fuck you. Exactly. And that's, I firmly stand behind that. And I have always been somebody who was staunchly opposed to plastic surgery. Um, and I, I think I, I touched upon that in my post as well. And I was speaking with one of my friends and he's like, it's your life. If you want boobs, go ahead and do it. It doesn't matter if you can afford to do it and it'll make you happy, then do it. And it's, it's not hurting anybody else. I'm not causing harm to anybody. And I, I know other females that have kind of been like, oh, wow, I'm surprised that you're, you're so open and brazen about that. I'm like, why wouldn't I be? Why wouldn't you be? It's your own body. It's your life. Live how you want to. And I love how they turned out. I did my research. Um, I feel that if anybody's looking into plastic surgery, do your research, obviously. Um but it's not something that you should hide. It's not anything. I don't really f see any reason that you should hide it. You shouldn't be proud of it. It's, it's an extension of yourself and be confident in yourself and live your life is people, really what I wish people would do. Yeah. Pe people recently have been calling me uh, young Joseph Stalin or Vladimir Lenin. And it's like, listen, Why? I'll admit it. It's because I have a rounder face. And if I grow a mustache goatee thing, I don't know if I'm going to keep it, but I'm just trying it out. I'm out of the army. I'm it was good. I like it. Thank you. Thank you. I think I think <laughs> beards and mustaches are like push-up bras for men. You might as well work it. And it's free. It grows on my face. Some yeah. could say it's grown on me. I've come to like it now. But it's like, you know, for men, you know, one of the biggest one of the biggest surgeries that no one talks about for men in the army is lipo. Like I know a lot of soldiers, really? a lot of male soldiers go in and at some point they end up getting light because the height and weight standards for men, I think need to be adjusted. You know, they don't need to be completely changed. Oh, I think they need to be adjusted, definitely. especially taping. Like I was always over the scale, but I always passed, uh, the taping because my, my neck and my waist. So I always passed mm -hmm. it because my percent body fat was always beneath like 15%. But like, you know, I, I know a lot of men that do that. And if people find out, they're always like, oh, well, he got that because he was fat. And it's like, 
is that is that is that an insult? He got that because that may have been one of the only ways for him physically and mentally to finally start getting back in the gym. Now, am I saying that's a solution? Yeah, give him a jump start. Yeah, am I saying that's a solution for everybody? No. But for some people, it's been the difference between them doing it and them never doing it. And if you're willing to take that chance, you know, it comes with some side effects. It comes with some stuff that you're going to have to deal with down the road. But, you know, as long as you're healthy and you make the changes to sustain that, you won't ever have to go back again. And if your life is improved, just own it. And, And I mean, this is 2021 now. And when it comes to cosmetic surgery, you know, it's not like everyone is walking out looking like a porn star with like a 19 incher looking like they like they're freaking Joan, uh, Joan Rivers. Like, it's just not the case. Most people are going in because they really have a need to want to adjust something to improve their lives. Yeah. And I, I it, yeah. It's a, it's a self-confidence booster. I know for me, um, as a more muscular female, I feel more feminine now. I really, there's, I don't know how else to word it for people, but I feel more feminine. I feel more confident in myself and there's nothing wrong with that. Whether you're male or female, whatever you decide to do, if it's something that's truly for you and not for other people and how other people perceive you, then yes, go ahead and do it. You you know, with other surgery, I realized a lot of men get, but never tell ass implants. I've never heard of that. That's a thing. I know. I know people who have gotten that. The first time I was like, "That's a thing." The second time I was like, "Well, you know, I've met another person. I've met at least six people I know who have done that." I know ab implants, ab and pectoral implants for males. Those are how, huge. How do you how do you fucking do that? And how do you it's, maintain that? Because if you're not keeping up a physique to put it up, it's gonna look freaking weird. Yeah, you just have a, a belly with abs. It looks weird, but. To each their own. I'm not one to judge. <laughs> but it's like, just an expensive procedure not to maintain yourself for. But is it? Oh wow! Is it like they're not? They're not like installing muscle. Is it like a silicone no, implant just, or something? Well, I mean, the two there's different types of implants. There's silicone and there's saline. And I think for the males, they do the silicone because they're more natural and um, fuller. I guess you could say they just look better. I ha- I'm going to go on like a YouTube rabbit hole tonight. <laughs> you will, There's a huge rabbit hole for implants and everything. I got lost in it. So have fun with that. <laughs> oh my God. So I'm, I'm going to link to your Instagram. Uh, I know that, that you're an influencer for a couple different brands. You really try and be a proponent for people to get healthier and everything. W- what are some of your goals for this year? You know, what are some of the things that you're looking forward to? Well, um, Professionally, I actually just accepted a new job. I'll be starting in two weeks down in San Diego. Um, I'm really excited. It's a huge step forward for me professionally. Um, So grow within that. Um, Physically, just continue improving myself, um, bouncing back from the surgery, which I've been doing, um, and really kind of helping other people within their fitness journey um, here locally. And if I can influence people social media-wise, then do what I can. Um, I'll be doing my first residency this year for my PhD in Arizona. So I'm really excited for that and just finish out the year strong, be the best person that I can be to myself my community and everybody else that I interact with. So those are a few of my goals. Just, just keep kicking ass. Yeah. (laughs) Trying, trying to. (laughs) 
Awesome <laughs> stuff. Well, Sophie, I, I've I've had such a great time. You know, not only asking you a million questions, but just getting to catch up. Really, anytime. Yeah. All Thank right, you, folks. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to talk. Oh, not a problem. Folks, if you enjoyed this, this costs you nothing, but it means everything to me. A five-star rating on Apple Podcasts lets conversations like this hit more people, have an impact. And if we're growing and if we're having more fun in our life and if we're actually becoming better people inch by inch, I think that's a great impact on the world. So please, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, you know how Al Gore's internet works. As always, be good, be safe, and I'll talk to you later. Goodbye. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Like the Chris Spangle Show, Liberty Explained, The Brian Nichols Show, The Boss Hog of Liberty, Freedom Strips with Keaton Tucker, On the Run with Rimzo Martinez, Gingerarchy with Trisha Stewart Mann, Upward Libertarian Activism, and now hear this. Tune in now and we're going to help you sound smarter when talking with your friends. 